Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Gospel, the 12th chapter. 
starting at verse 1. Amen. You can remain standing on your feet for the reading of the word of God. And it reads like this from the English Standard Version. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with fragrance and perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in, into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. The poor you will always have with you, but you do not always have me. When the large crowd of Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Amen. Thus ends the reading of the word of God. I want to speak from the subject, what worship looks like. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh God, my strength and my redeemer, it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. What worship looks like. Do, do, you, do you ever get tired of people that always telling you that you're not worshiping God the right way? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I get tired of hearing preachers who make you feel uh, like you had like you hadn't been like you hadn't worshipped God because you don't worship the way they like it to be done. Maybe you're not shouting. Or maybe you're shouting too much. Maybe you're not crying. Or maybe you're not laughing. Maybe you're not doing what they think worship is all about. And you know, churches have distinguished themselves by the way that they worship. Yeah, if you running up and down the halls, running up and down the aisles, and shouting and turning flips, they call you a holy roller church. Amen. If you sit there and don't say nothing throughout the whole service, they call you a silk stocking church. 
And the one church that said that they call themselves the frozen dead, amen. They, they, they just sit there and listen, and then at the end of the service, they may clap at the end of the sermon. But I've discovered that none of that stuff determines how you really worship God. Don't, don't care how, 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 how much you shout on Sunday. If you're not doing the right thing on Monday, your shouting was in vain. Look at Congress. Look at all those Republicans who call themselves Christians. And then you find out about all the mess that they done been involved in. Look at this fellow. I don't know whether he's guilty or not. But look at this fella out of Alabama, the Moore, the one running for Senate, senator. He's gotten kicked off. He was the Supreme Court Justice, the Chief Supreme Court Justice. And he's gotten kicked off of that place twice because he's so religious. He wouldn't put the Ten Commandments up. I wouldn't take them down. They told him to take the Ten Commandments. He went to, so they put him off the court. He got reelected, got to become the chief guy again. The Supreme Court said homosexuals can get married. He said, no, y'all keep stopping homosexuals from getting married. So he, he himself won't even follow the law. And now that the law is pointing him in the face, his morals has caught up with him. I don't know whether he's guilty or not. I can't claim whether he's guilty or not. But the point of the matter is, uh, the, the, the people who always try to be so religious, you always find out something about them that's not so religious. But I want you to just—I want to tell you today that um, that there's that there that there's more than one way to worship God, and those ways are valid. Chapter 11 ended with Jesus going with Martha and Mary to the tomb of their brother. You know that. Lazarus had died and Jesus had delayed. But then we discovered that Jesus delivered. Jesus went to the tomb and he got Lazarus up out of the grave. And since Lazarus had been dead for those four days, there was no denying of his death. But the resurrection made it clear that Jesus got power even over the dead. We discovered that even in our, we got some stuff in our own lives that might have died, but Jesus can resurrect those things that we thought couldn't be possible. And so we begin this chapter 12. We come to the final week of the Lord's earthly ministry. The crucifixion is barely a week away. And as we look at this story, we again see the family of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. The occasion is a celebration dinner, a thank you dinner to Jesus and, 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 and for, for, for raising Lazarus from the dead. Mark Gospel tells us that it was given at the house of the Simon leper. And as we join them, we see three different motivations uh, that's expressed that gratitude in their worship. We see three different ways that people worship God. And I want to point those ways out to you this morning. 
First of all, Martha expressed worship through service. Look what the text says. Then, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, had been dead, whom he raised from the dead, and there they made him a supper, and Martha served. Martha served. As I already stated, the occasion is a celebration dinner given at the house of the Simon Leopard and Martha, we read was serving, which is quite a character, uh, characteristic of one who still loves God. See, what we got to understand here this morning, church, is that you can worship God through your service. Uh, can, I, can I get somebody to pray with me? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's nothing wrong with serving God. Nothing wrong with doing the right thing with God. Nothing wrong with serving God. John had already let us see something of the faith of Martha. And we discovered earlier that she said, I believe that you are the son of God. That, you got, that, that I believe that you are the one that can resurrect us from the dead. And so she already had a faith in Christ. She already had a faith in what God can do. And so she decided that the way she was going to worship God was to worship him through service. I wish I had an amen, more than two amens right long through there. Because some people think that they can't worship God through, some people think they're not qualified to worship God through service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not qualified. But let me tell you something. Every person who's going to get to heaven is going to get there because they serve somebody. I wish I had a praying church right along through here. Boy, I tell you, when I was at the um, Congressional Black Caucus one year, um, Freddie Haynes was preaching. And he preached a powerful sermon. I told Freddie Haynes that if he never preached another sermon in his life, that sermon was a mighty sermon. And what he talked about was that if you're going to get to heaven, if you're going to see God, if you're going to... You, if you're going to do the right thing on this earth, you got to learn how to be a servant. And being a servant is the only way to get to the top. And he gave a beautiful illustration. And I don't know which hotel he was in, baby, but he said he was in the, what was it, the, was it the W Hotel? The Willard Hotel. The Willard Hotel. He, was, he, he, he got one of the, one of the big, Suites on the top floor of the Willard, and um, he said he was he was so proud of himself that he could walk into the Willard Hotel. Somebody gave him the room. He didn't buy it. You know, he didn't get it. But he was so happy he could walk into the Willard and you know and 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 have himself to be escorted up to the up to the penthouse. Where the luxury suite was. Now, you know, first of all, just getting any room in the willing is going to cost you. But if you're in the penthouse, you somebody. And he got it. Somebody gave it to him. So he was there. He was, he was so proud of himself, he said. And he said that he got there and went to the front. They said, well, mister, you got to wait for one of the, the stewards to come. He said, why? He said, I got my ticket here. I got my reservation. He said, yeah, but you got to wait till the, you, you can't go in through the regular elevators. He said, why? Because he, he, he thought that, look, 
I'm, I'm a big time person now. I got a chance to go to the elevator. I want everybody to see who I was riding up to the pen. They said, no, no, no. The only way to get to the penthouse, you got to ride the service elevator. And what he said is, and so what it, the analogy he makes is that the only way to get to the top, you got to go through service. I wish I had somebody here this morning. That was a beautiful illustration. The only way to get to the top is we got to learn how to be a servant. And Jesus said, I came not so people can serve me, I came that I could be the servant to all. So Martha expressed her worship through service. Secondly, Mary expressed her worship through giving. Look what the text says in verse 3. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil or spring art um, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped her feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Mary's worship took a different form. Perhaps the meal is over and the guests are sitting around and the table and they, 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 they're talking and, and then something happens that will be talked about for centuries. It's a simple gesture of a grateful heart. It is not meant to be showy. Uh, in fact, uh, Mary was quite aware that anyone else was around but Jesus. And there she knelt down at his feet and quietly anointed the feet of Jesus with the most precious and costly oils. And I want you to note three things. First of all, Mary's worship was spontaneous. Her worship was spontaneous and she, 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 she was not concerned at all about what people thought. She was not worried about how much the perfume cost. She cared nothing for the customs of the day. She entered into a supper where women were not usually welcome, and she, set, she let down her hair in public, which is an unthinkable thing for women of that, of that culture, and she openly expressed her love for Jesus. And at that moment, she was completely caught up in worshiping the Lord. And I wonder just once, what would it be like to be caught up in worshiping God? And not worrying about what other people think. Letting your hair down and letting God know how much you love him. Wouldn't that be a marvelous time in the Lord? But that's how Mary, not only that Mary's worship was substantial. Listen, somehow I believe that Mary knew of King David's statement in 2 Samuel 24, 24, when he said, I will not offer to God that which costs me nothing. I wonder what it understanding of that truth would bring to our worship. What would we see demonstrated in our text is love's extravagance. And it really was extravagance. As you know, um, Judah said that, that, the, that the oil cost 300 denarii. And, and, and you know that, um, that the 300 denarii was a lot of money. It was a year's salary. And to make the comparison of how much 300 denarii was, you remember when Jesus fed the 5,000? 5,000 men, the text says. Uh, they were out there, and he had got through teaching them, and they, the day was getting short. And Jesus, one of the disciples said, Lord, um, um, uh, we get, the folk was hungry, we, and, we, and we need to feed them. And, and, and one of the responses was, well, you know, to feed 5,000 men, now, that's, that's the men. They didn't count the women. 
But we know that if you had church, you're going to have more women than you have men. <laughs> but let's just, let's just make it even. If you got 5,000 men, you got at least 5,000 women. And, 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 and then you're going to have at least another 5,000 children. Are y'all with me today? So it's possible that it wasn't just 5,000 men out there, but it was 15,000 people that was out there. And look what the text says. The text says that it would cost 200 denarii to feed 15,000 people. That's how much this all costs. 300 denarii. Are y'all with me? To feed 15,000 people, it would cost you 200. And her oil cost 300. It was substantial. She was, she, she didn't, she didn't use no cheap oil. She didn't go to Farmer Mills and get the oil that they had. Uh, uh, Y'all know what I'm talking about. The stuff that looked like polo, but it might say poco instead of polo. <laughs> she, she, she didn't get that. No. No, 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 no. She got the real good stuff. Stuff that's going to cost you some money. Amen. Like my wife said, don't bring me no stuff. Unless it's got the real name on it. She, she, want, she want the good smelling stuff and she want the costly stuff. She don't want no cheap stuff. Yeah, so, so it, was, it costed her something. And I want to remind you today that if you're going to do ministry, it's going to cost you something. Yes, it is. It's going to cost you something. It might cost you some time. It might cost you some embarrassment. But it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you some money. You know, it don't, you know, to do ministry, you know, it requires that somebody give some money. I wish I had a praying church right along through here. Now, y'all know I don't normally preach about money. I don't be begging folk for money and all that kind of stuff. But the reality of the matter is, if we're going to keep the heat on in the place, and I know y'all a little cold this morning, but we're going to have the heat on in the place, we got to have money. Because when, when, the, when the HVAC guy come, he ain't going to take my prayers. Doc, I'm going to pray for you. No, 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 Pastor. I need more than prayer today. I got children at home. They got to go to school. I need cash. So we need money to run the ministry. But look, at finally, not only was it substantial to her, but Mary's worship was also sneered. Look what the text says in verse 4 and 8. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, uh, Simon's son, who who would betray him, said, why was the fragrant not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used it to take what was put in it. Now, there's one thing you can be assured of anytime you're going to do something for the Lord, that somebody's going to criticize you. You, you may as well get ready Anytime you step out, somebody going to criticize you. They don't like the way you dress. They don't like the way you comb your hair. 
They don't like the fact that you want to tithe. They don't like the fact that you're at church, that you go to Bible study. Can't get no amens right along through there. <laughs> we working on it. That you don't go to prayer meeting, that you don't, that you don't sing. Somebody's going to always criticize you no matter what you do. No matter what you do. You know. And I've got used to it. I've discovered that when the Lord called me into the ministry, I couldn't care about who, what everybody else called me. You can call me whatever you want to call me. But I know that the Lord called me a child of God. And so I was happy to do God's work, even though I had some stuff I had to work out. You see, when you get, when you get called into the ministry, or when you get called into the work of God, you don't have to be a preacher to do it. When you get called into the when you get called out of the world into the kingdom, people are gonna criticize you. And it don't matter what you do, you, you can barely be getting to church. Barely getting here. And when you get here, you're dragging yourself when you're here. And you're happy to go when it's time to go. But other folk gonna look at you and call you a holy roller because you show up at church. Here you are trying to, just trying to barely make it. So, so let me finish up here. So Mary expressed worship through service. I want you to watch this now. Uh, Martha expressed worship through service. Mary expressed worship through giving. Now watch this. Lazarus expressed worship through his testimony. Now watch this. Look what the text says. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there and they came. Not for Jesus' sake only. Watch this. But that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also. Because on account of him, see this now, on, because, on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Watch this. Our text in verse 19 tells us, and they came not only for Jesus' sake, but they also came to confront Lazarus, to really kill him. Because of the great change in Lazarus, Lazarus, many people desired to see him, and he was a living witness of what God could do to your life. That there was no record, listen, there's no record of words of Lazarus. We don't have, we don't have Lazarus saying anything in the text, in the gospels. But the scriptures tells us that his daily walk was enough to convince people that Jesus is the Son of God. His life. And it may be that Lazarus never said anything that anyone thought worth recording. Yet he ended up being one of the great witnesses for Christ. Why? The answer is not in what Lazarus did for Christ. But it's what Christ did for Lazarus. Did you hear what I said? Lazarus didn't do anything for God. But God did something for him. And his life was a witness to what God can do. Yeah. 
That's why I tell everybody at the church that, 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 that when people come here, they're shocked and surprised because I keep telling you that God wants to use a group of people who he can expose himself through. God wants folk to see him through your weakness, through your trouble, through your problems, through your existence. And so when you're going through, you don't curse God. We hold on to God's unchanging hand. And then folk can wonder, how is it that you made it through? It's not because of something I did. It's because of what God is doing. God did something for Lazarus that the world could not deny. Look what the, look what his, look what his, uh, the people who were against him said. People are believing in Christ because of his life. Are we living like that? Are we exposing, are we letting God expose himself through us to the extent that when people see us and see not just us walking and talking, but to see how we are living. Are people saying, I believe God because I see what you've gone through. I see how God has rescued you. And the problem is, church, sometimes, you know, when we get ourselves in a, pick, in a pickle, we don't want to tell nobody. It's all a secret. We walk through by us alone. We walk through by ourselves. And what God is trying to say to us is I'm going to use your situation. I'm going to use your trial. I'm going to use your sickness. I'm going to use your brokenness. I'm going to use your addiction. I'm going to use Whatever you got that you can't handle on your own, if you turn it over to God and let him deal with it. And then when you come out of it, <laughs> folk going to say, what happened to you? What did you do? Trust God. That's all I can say is trust God because God is using your life. God is using your situation. God is using your issue. And he's, he's, he's shaping you and molding you and refurbishing you. <laughs> I like that word, refurbish. <laughs> refurbish means God can take something that's old and antiquated. Take it again. Put some new stuff in it. Put some love there and some grace and some mercy in there. <laughs> and mix it up. <laughs> and, and, and then have you come out with a whole brand new situation. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, I, I like that, being refurbished. Uh, 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 Jeremiah talks about, and Isaiah talks about uh, being in the potter's house, that God can take a 
some clay. And God can, can take it and ball it back up and remold it and use it for a purpose. I've discovered this, that somebody said, Pastor, what is my purpose? And my wife know that what I like, you know, they, my wife and, and Oriana, you know, they, they like playing games. My wife, she like that candy crush thing. <laughs> and it's some other kind of game where she play where she um, putting food and people are coming by eating and she giving them food. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Oriana like playing this thing called Roblox. But there's only two games that I play. I play dominoes. And I play um, crossword puzzles. I do the crosswords. I know my brother-in-law asked me one time, he said, what dictionary do you use? I said, dictionary? I don't use no dictionary. I just figure it out. But what I discovered is when I, when I do the crosswords, they use different words to describe another word. And one of the words that I discovered that they use, they say, what is purpose? And the word that they use for purpose is use. What is your use? What, what is God using you for? What are you being used for? That whatever you're being used for, that's your purpose. What, is, what, are, what, what can you be used to do? And, 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 and when you do that, God can expose himself through you and let the world see you from a different perspective. And that's why I love Jesus because God used him. God took the life of Christ, hung him on a cross, stretched him wide and God used his death to expose the whole world and the Bible said that he died. But three days later, three days later, he got up. God got him up. Yes, he did. He got him up, church. And God used the life of Christ to show us how he can expose himself through it. And because of what Jesus did and what God did for him. See, Jesus died for us, but he couldn't get up on his own. Romans 10, 9 says, Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God raised him up from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. He died for us. That's what he did. But that didn't make folk believe. Because why? Everybody gonna die. I keep telling my wife, I'm gonna die of something that's gonna be shame. And somebody's gonna say, Well, what do you die of? Nothing. I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die of something. But the point of it is, I can't get back up until first Thessalonians 4:13 come along. But until that time, when the Bible said the dead in Christ shall rise first and, and, and then the those who are alive shall meet him in the air, until that time, I'm not going to get up again. But when Jesus died, the book said three days later, he 
And because he got up, because of what God did for him, folk believe that he is the Son of God. Give God some praise, church. He's worthy to be praised. Amen. There might be somebody here today who's never heard the word of God, who's never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Church, will you stand with us today? We want to make it easy for that person to come and to give their life to Christ. You're already on your feet. If you've never been saved, you never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, we invite you to come right now. And then there might be those who are here who need a church home. You don't have a church and we want to open up the door for you to come in and fellowship with us and to be a part of our growing family. And finally, and thirdly, I want to ask all of our veterans if they can come and stand around the altar. I want to pray for you. Brother Norris, if you need a chair, just give Brother Norris a chair. Huh? Oh, that's right. We got Mason. He's coming to join church this morning. Amen. Amen. I've already talked to Mason. He want to be baptized. He said his grandmother didn't bring him. His mama didn't make him come. He want to come on his own. He believe in Jesus. And so we just need to we can get his information from him. We know Mason. We've been with Masons before he was Mason. <laughs> We've been with Mason a long time. I want our veterans to come. And today's church, if you don't mind, because we want our, our veterans are not only those who serve, but we also want to remember all of our veterans. So if you have somebody in your family that served in the, in the military, we want you to come and stand in their stead so that we can pray for not only the, the veterans, but our families uh, as well. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.